Welcome to the Real Talk with Real Fit Pros podcast, where fitness professionals learn to get what they're worth. With over 30 years of combined experience in the fitness industry, Jonathan Loudermilk and Mark the Fitness Ninja Zolmanoff share their expertise in helping fit pros work smarter, earn more, and design a business that they love. Learn about effective social media strategies, organic marketing, client acquisition and retention, and whatever other shenanigans John and Mark bring to the table. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of Real Talk with Real Fit Pros. Welcome to another episode of Real Talk with Real Fit Pros. It's your boy, Jonathan Loudermilk, and I've got my PIC, my partner in crime, Mark, the fitness ninja Zalmanoff, with a special guest that Mark's going to go ahead and introduce for us. Oh, yeah. But before we get started, please make sure go to the iTunes, the Spotify, wherever, wherever you're listening to this. Do the subscribe. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. Um, screenshot it. Share it on the social medias. Fit Pro Bros on Instagram um, and wherever you want on Facebook. I don't really care. There's so many of us. Yeah. <laughs> Just share it so other people can find it. That's what we want. Um, that's why we do these things to add value for you guys. So today, yes, we have a, a special guest in the house and, and this guy is one of our, one of our apex brothers and, and John and I talk about the apex program a little bit here and there, but it's, it's one of the most amazing networks of people that I've ever been involved. Well, actually it is the most amazing network of people I've ever been involved with. And it allows us to have quality people in our lives, like our guest today. So um, this man, his passion in life is pushing boundaries and encouraging those around him to live life to the fullest. He grew up in Illinois playing just about every sport possible, although football was his passion. Good man. Uh, following his collegiate football career, he enlisted in the U.S. Army, where he served as part of the 75th Ranger Regiment, which we will absolutely be talking about that. In 2011, him and his wife, Kirsten, opened Cannon Fitness and Performance, and they're also actively involved in real estate investing, which is how people get wealthy, by the way, um, in case you didn't know that. <laughs> that becomes more apparent the more people I'm around. Um, he lives in Houston with his wife, his four kids, which is a choice. Uh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> you know, Jim Gaffigan says, if you want to know what it's like to have five kids, imagine you're drowning and someone throws you a baby. Anyway, so without further ado, welcome to the show, Jeff Smith. How you doing today, sir? Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys? Doing great, man. Doing fantastic. Awesome to have you here. Well, I appreciate uh, so, y'all asking me to come on. Yeah, absolutely. So as you have been briefed, uh, we always start these shows off with a story. So what do you have for us today? Yeah, this one caught me off guard because I, I was briefed about 120 seconds ago. So uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, funny fitness story, I guess. Like one thing about me that you probably wouldn't assume is that I have always preferred to uh, work out alone. Um, it's just kind of like my quiet time and headspace. And uh, so I, I generally get really tunnel vision and singularly focused when, when I'm exercising. And so like, that's why I don't like my kids around. I don't like any distractions and noises. Like it, I'll, I'll, 
being we we've got a six thousand square foot gym and I'll I'll be in there with the lights off and no music playing and I'll work out alone. So like people think I'm uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm strange that way because I grew up playing team sports like you mentioned and things like that and I enjoy working out in that setting to an extent but really I find a lot of peace being alone anyway well here's here's the actual story so about 10 years ago we were doing Murph um, which most people that have ever done any hero wads or CrossFit workouts or anything we, we usually do that once a year at least um, and so I was doing that and I had scheduled it with a couple of my buddies who are business owners as well. And like three of us did it at like three o'clock in the afternoon and word got out that we were doing it. So a bunch of people came up to drink beer and watch us hang out or just hang out and watch us suffer. And so my wife came up there and I was wearing AirPods um, because this workout's like an hour long and you can kind of just get in your head and compartmentalize and do your thing. Anyway, and I was not in that kind of shape to be doing Murph because it's an extended workout, lots of running, everything else. Um, and I, I like lifting heavy and being explosive. That That is a long, drawn-out workout. Um, so it, needless to say, it's not my forte. Um, so my wife's yelling at me to go and, like, cheer me on. And uh, that that's just not my style at all. So she's screaming, go, Jeff. And find like, and I'm just sitting there sucking. Like I'm, I'm like 33 <laughs> minutes into this and just like miserable. And uh, it, I've got lactic acid building up and just feeling like shit. And um, finally, she yells something at me. And there's other people drinking beer, having fun, right? And so I, I look up at her at one point and I said, "Will you shut the fuck up? I can't <laughs> fucking hear you because I've got my AirPods in." And everybody was like, it was like screech the record moment. And uh, (laughs) everybody's like, whoa. And then uh, I went and did like five more reps. And then I came back over and I was like, I'm really sorry, honey. I shouldn't have spoken like that. Please don't yell at me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) This was in front of like these other people. And I'm like raging and uh, lost my composure. So they, they still joke about that to this day um like will you shut the fuck up i can't hear you so like that that's that's the line because i i can't stand like that kind of motivation <laughs> i i see a i see a meme and a shirt in the future uh-huh. <laughs> it's like not now chief i'm in the fucking zone <laughs> Oh my God, yeah. that's great. Yeah, I was, I was deep in the pain cave and I did not want to be talked to at all. Uh-huh. Oh man, I love that. <laughs> I'm going to share this with my wife for sure. Like, I've never said anything to you like that. So, come on now. Awesome, awesome. Um, all right, so that is a, that's a great story, man. We really appreciate that one. Thanks for sharing. Um, so, so here's, here's where I want to start. Let's start with your army background, because I have a feeling that that has shaped pretty much the rest of your existence past that. So, so let's, let's talk a little bit about that journey, how that even began, what, you know, when the thought came into your head of, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to represent our country. I'm going to join, you know, the army and, and how that whole thing evolved. Okay. Um, 
we've got a, a lot of family history of military. Um, and so it, it had always been something I was aware of. Um, I, I mean, it just like my, my parents weren't in the military. I mean, my dad served in the army in during like Vietnam era. Um, but that really, I, I wouldn't say it was a huge catalyst per se, but it was always something on my radar and on my mind. And like, so ironically enough, when I was in high school, I, I was always athletic. I looked at these other things I wanted. I, so I looked into the military and I was like, what, what would I do if I was in the military? And I wanted to be in special operations in some capacity. So I started digging in a little bit and, uh, I didn't, I, I didn't want to be a Navy SEAL because everybody wants to be a Navy SEAL. And plus, I, I don't like all the swimming. And I was like, eh, I'm not really into the water because I'm into like the, the thing that's attractive to me is like combat and things like that. And so whatever. Then there's special forces, which is a different branch of the special operations community. But they're into um, nation building and training other international armies. Okay, so you learn about an area of the of the world, and then that's your special specialized area. So they would like go train the Iraqi army or something like that. Not appealing to me either, because I'm like, well, I, I don't need to go teach people from other countries how to how to war. Like, <laughs> if you want to go to war, like that's what you want to do. So anyway, it, I'm about 16 years old, and I find out about the Ranger Regiment. Okay, so this is another branch of the special operations community. And, um, they seemed to check all the boxes cause that was like everything they were, they were, it was ground warfare and, um, it was just very appealing. It didn't have any of the other nuances that the, that the other branches of the service have. And so, uh, fast forward a few years, I had the ability to go play college football and I was like, well, I'm 18 years old. I should probably like, do I go to the military or do I go play college football? This is my, probably my window to go play college football, right? At the time, I thought that because we weren't doing what we were doing now, like where people are coming back from the military at 30 years old and then going to play college football. Like that was unheard of back then. Um, so I went to college, did my thing, played a couple of years and then got um, injured and ended up having surgery on my ankle. Didn't really have a huge passion for playing football anymore. And so I ended up just getting a job in financial services, continuing to kind of dabble in college. And then uh, 9-11 happened. And 9-11 was really the catalyst for me enlisting in the military. Um, I, I enlisted immediately after 9-11. And then the rest is kind of history. Um, I, I, that was the tipping point for me, though. And I enlisted immediately after that. At the time, I was working for a Fortune 500 company. Um, I was actually the first employee ever to come out of that company and, and enlist full-time after the global war on terrorism. And so that's a different story, but there, there was a lot of interesting HR nuances that they were unprepared for as we enlisted in the military because I actually enlisted full-time. I, I wasn't like National Guard or Reserves. And so it actually worked out to, to my benefit that they didn't have all their ducks in the row because I ended up returning to that job after I got out of the military too. So that's a different story that we don't need to pivot to right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know, first of all, you know, tip of the hat to you, sir. You know, thank you for your service. And and I've heard several people lately with that same statement of then 9-11 happened. And so I just went and in that, you know, it's a different mindset. It's a different mentality. And the, the sense of duty that you guys have is is to me, it's very, very admirable. So. Like I said, I, you know, I, I respect that decision and it's, you know, people aren't going to understand it. Simple as that. So, you know, to have that passion inside of you is like, well, it's time to go. Here's what we got to do. I mean, I, it just blows me away. So uh, I just, I just want to say thank you because I, I, I greatly appreciate that. Awesome, man. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Thank <laughs> you. So, so how long were you in and then what happened when you came out? Okay, so I went in in uh, just after 2002, and I was in for approximately two, two and a half years. And then I got injured and had a lower leg injury, broke some bones, tore a bunch of ligaments in a training accident after we had gotten back from Iraq. And... Um, kind of the situation in 2004 had evolved to where we were deploying very frequently. So our, our readiness force was stood up all the time. And so we had low numbers of people and I was slated to be on kind of in surgery and rehabbing for almost a year. And so the, then I was given an ultimatum, if you will. So I, I was given this list of choices at that point because we, so I got injured and then we shot my leg with cortisone um, to keep me working and deployable. And then at, there was a certain point in time when we had come back into the rear and were kind of down for training and we had a window of opportunity to fix my leg. And, um, at that point in time, it was like they needed full fire teams stood up because of the, the level of readiness force that we were. And so I had the opportunity to go get surgery, stay in the military, and then I could stay in my unit, but I would be assigned a desk job. And so like, that's like head armor or something like that. You just push papers and so one, that was option one, stay in Ranger Regiment, take a desk job in Ranger Regiment. Um, option two was go get surgery, rehab, and go to a regular Army unit. Or option three was get medically boarded out of the, the military altogether. Okay? So there's nothing worse. Well, I'm sure there's worse things, but it, you don't want to be in a highly deployable special operations unit and be on desk duty. Like that's not what, like you want to be in the fire teams. Cause it's, right. it's just a shitty existence knowing <laughs> that like all of your friends are training and going to do things and, and you have to sit back here and do paperwork. Um, so that wasn't really a desirable option. I never wanted to go to the regular army. Um, because I had come in with the mission to be in the uh, Ranger Regiment. And so like that was my sole focus coming in. Because when I came in, you have to go to basic training, you have to go to advanced infantry school, then you have to go to airborne school. 
then you have to volunteer for ranger indoctrination program. So like none of this is guaranteed. You've got to pass all these steps throughout and you can wash out anytime and you end up in the regular army if you do. And so having come through and done what I was focused on doing, I really didn't have a desire to go to the regular army. Um, nothing against the regular army. It's great. And, um, but I just didn't have any desire for to continue my career in a different unit. Um, and so there was also this poll that, Hey, you have a job waiting for you at home. If you want to return to it, it's a solid job. Um, you're 24, 25 years old at this point. Um, and so at, I needless to say, I took the, took the out and said, I'll, I'll just take the med board and go home and I'll rehab at home, use civilian doctors and, um, take care of my stuff back there. And so that, that was when I exited the military at that point. Got it. Got it. So what, uh, you know, what would you say are a couple of lessons that you like truly extracted from your military experience that have helped short-term, long-term, just life skills in general, uh, you know, re really anything that's helped make you a better human in the long run? Well, being surrounded by the level of human beings that I was, it, like that really taught me a lot of lessons. I mean, it's funny, the like I could name on my hand, like name drop people who run like big businesses now, like highly successful entrepreneurs that you would know. And like the people that I served with were like leaders amongst leaders. And it, right. it, it, it was just a different, a, a different tier of people to be around. So the lessons that I learned were that, I, I, I mean, what leadership looks like, what sacrifice looks like, and, and really just the quality of human beings that I was able to be associated with was incredible. Um, also, the... I, I think the, one of the most interesting lessons of getting to Ranger Battalion is, is that everyone thinks it's, it's a struggle to get there because like when we went through Ranger indoctrination, ah, Ranger indoctrination training, um, I think we started with 81 people and then I think we finished with eight. So everybody wow. thinks the attrition rate is where the, where the pain is, but the real pain is operating every day once you're actually in the unit like that's far harder than the ascension to get there which is really relatable in like what we do yep as 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 being a high it's it's the mundane daily sharpening of your sword that people don't understand and if you can do that for 20 years that's where success is bred and like, it's the same thing in special operations. It's like everybody's young, dumb, and happy to, to get there <laughs> as, they, as they kind of ascend through the ranks. And they're like, fuck yeah, I finished another school. Fuck yeah, I'm, I got past that. Airborne's done. Ranger indoctrination's done. I'm going to my unit. And once you realize that once you get there, you're back at square one. You're the lowest man on the totem pole. And to continue continue your career is what the, that's, that's where the pain comes in. Right. And so that's re very relatable in what we do. And like, 
because everybody gets so excited in fucking business like oh i got my first llc look at that like you see that all the time like i've got a business i signed up on corpnet and gave them 500 bucks and they gave me a name and a website and like no no that's not what it's about like trudging through the next 10 years is what it's going to be about right <laughs> well there's the clip right there <laughs> right for sure you know, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because we, you know, John and I coach fitness coaches and we talk about the daily disciplines and, and just doing the work. You know, there's no substitute for doing the damn work, the posting on the social media and the getting your systems in check and following up and following up and following up and following up. And, and that's how we grow a business. And, you know, we're going to get into that in a second about your fitness business, Jeff, but anyone who lasts in this industry lasts because they're willing to do the mundane tasks that are required every day. And, and even I, I think yesterday or the day before I, I saw Stuman post something about, you know, he's got a friend that's a billionaire and the billionaire is like, you want to become a billionaire, get, get good at doing the boring shit because yep. that's what gets you there. You know, and anyone can, I don't want to say anyone, but most people can, can do well for a short amount of time. But right. the sustainability of it is, is like you just said, is where the real struggle is. Um, so so let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about your fitness business. Um, let our listeners know kind of what, what kind of structure you have. Are you in-person, online? Do you do a little bit of both? And, and how you kind of came about of opening the gym and, and operating in that space. Okay. So in 2008, we moved down to Houston. Uh, from Illinois. I was uh, then telecommuting, uh, doing IT work. And so that was my first real experience with CrossFit, right? No, well, I'd been doing CrossFit on my own since 2004, because they introduced it in our units about 2004. And so I, I kind of found it there, did it by myself for four years, because we know I like to work out by myself. And... Um, <laughs> So in 2008, we moved to Houston. My wife was doing her PhD at Rice and I was like legitimately never leaving the house because we didn't really have like we didn't have a circle of friends or anything or a community down here. Um, so I was doing my telecommuting work and then didn't really have a place to go. So what I did was I looked up a gym, found a CrossFit gym that had a noon class and I started going to it. Right. Um Fast forward a couple months after that, the guy wants me to um, start coaching there, right? So I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Like fitness was my life, so it wasn't really like a huge stretch. I was always in shape. I always had great coaches and trainers from the from football to the military. Like I was always around kinesiology, exercise science, and stuff like that. So it wasn't foreign to me at all. It was a natural kind of step. And so I started coaching. I was like, Oh, more community, more stuff to do outside the house. Great. So I coached for a couple years uh, for a gym. And then in 2010, we started talking about what we were going to do. I opened anyway, long story short, my wife and I are like, let's open our own gym. Okay. We're going to have a CrossFit gym. We do that in 2011, 2011 through 2018 we operated this CrossFit gym, but we always kind of did things a little bit differently. Like we didn't run it like a traditional CrossFit gym per se, because I was more concerned with like ensuring everybody was healthy. We didn't do 
like cycling barbell stuff frequently. We didn't do bounding box jumps, rebounding box jumps, stuff like that, that was known for getting people hurt. And so, um, now we rebranded in 2018 to Canon fitness and performance. We run group classes and a lot of personal training and nutrition stuff. Um, and what we run now is more of a, for, with regards to our groups is more of a, what we kind of refer to as functional bodybuilding classes. And so you, you're going to get your heart rate up, but we're, we're really concerned with like body composition and things like that. So we do hypertrophy work. We do curls and things like that, that you don't conventionally see in kind of more of a CrossFit setting. So that's where we're at now. Ain't nothing wrong with doing some curls, man. Right? <laughs> it sounds, I mean, it, it, it sounds, and I've seen pictures of your gym, but it sounds very similar to my methodology as well of what we do where, you know, it's, it's my own system of, you know, I've been coaching for 19 years. So, you know, you just kind of figure out what works and what doesn't work and, and that we kind of need a little bit of everything all the time to be well-rounded individuals. And uh, yep. we definitely do some curls for sure. No <laughs> doubt about it. Um, so do you have, what are your plans for the business? Do you have plans for expansion? Are you, are you good with it right now? You're just going to get wealthy, uh, doing real estate and, and keep the gym running. <laughs> no, I'm actually, we, we just brought in a new general manager. And so I'm one thing that we do that's kind of a little different than most places is we really uh, focus on having full-time staff. And, and so uh, Everybody that we've got on staff right now is full time. We're looking for two more resources. Um, but no, I mean, I, I want to grow the gym. I think I think this is going to be a big year for health and fitness um, once everything gets opened back up. And we're pretty well opened back up down here. But uh, I think that if the last year has done anything, it's it's highlight the important importance of like you personally being responsible for your level of health and fitness. And, and so I think it's shown shined a light on people's bad habits and like everybody needs to get back in shape. I also think like everybody's had real shitty years as far as mental health goes, just cause there's been a lot of different messages circulating around. Right. I think, I think everybody's kind of tired and exhausted from that stuff. And so, they're looking for outlets and, and I, I truly am bullish about 2021 with regards to the fitness industry. I think people are going to come storming back into the, the gyms, whether it's in a private training set, setting or even some of the group classes, because they're not as crowded as you would typically have in your gym. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you're a fit pro, I hope you're listening to that because I absolutely agree with that sentiment that this is the time to capitalize on this. And, and those of us who have your systems in place, who have your processes in place, who have your offerings down and you're good at what you do, you can absolutely fucking thrive right now. And if you don't have that stuff, then what the hell are you waiting for? Like, I mean, it is the time to take advantage of this and, you know, the the messaging that we hear through social media, there's definitely not enough people talking about the importance of actually taking care of yourself instead of hiding and, and doing things. I won't go on the soapbox right now, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll be here another 20 minutes on my soapbox. But 
um, you know, we all know the importance of health and fitness and how it plays into our, our long-term health, our mental health, our immune system and all those things. So, you know, it, it, again, if, if any of you listening to this need help, reach out to any of us. Jeff will talk to you. John and I will talk to you. Um, there's just, there, it, it, there's no reason to not be helping people right now because people are craving it. And that's what I'm seeing. I'm sure you're seeing the same thing, Jeff, like, you know, as now, you know, again, we're in Texas, which smells like freedom all the time, but, um, you know, as, as things quote unquote legally open back up again, people are just more willing to get out, but they, but they're still concerned about the safety aspect of it. So, when you run a training style facility or boutique gym where you have control over everyone who comes in, like people want that because they feel safe. Mm -hmm. Well, here's what I'd like to ask. And by the way, I think this is the most quiet I've ever been on any episode. Cause I'm just, dude, I'm just enjoying your story. Um, <laughs> but what you just shared about bringing in that general manager, like what I'd like for you to share, Jeff is what was the process that you've gone through not just from a systems perspective, but the mindset to go from like, it's just you and Kirsten with this gym to now you're like, Hey, I've got a full staff and I've got a general manager running the business for me. We obviously know there, there's some new levels and new devils that go through that process. So I'd love for you to share with the audience for some of our other gym owners that follow this, like, you know, how did you evolve to the point to where you're not actually working in your business all day, servicing all the clients? Yeah, it, it has been a nine and a half year uh, <laughs> trial and error um, kind of exercise. But um, I, I think some of it was my business principles I brought in having come from a corporate background. Like I had business experience. Um, we had also been in real estate before. So I had ran and we owned an apartment complex that we bought in 2006. I had run contractors through there, employees through there. Um, but this was a different animal. This was a service-based business where you're, you're interacting with the clients every day. Um, one of the things that I've always done and been passionate about is paying for speed and information. So I sought out mentors early on. Um, some of it was helpful. Some of it wasn't. Uh, I've been through tons of mentors. I, I do consulting right now for Two Brain Business, which is a uh, fitness business consulting business. Um, but Chris Cooper is the founder of that. And so from about 2011 to 2016, before I found him, I kind of hodgepodged it together. Um, but I had always had the vision in mind to insulate myself from the business. I was always trying to backfill with other people and make them the icons of the gym so that it wasn't on me. Cause we started having kids the, in the first year we opened the business, we had our first baby in 2012 and we opened the gym in 2011. So at that point I was still grinding away. Like I went to the hospital when our first baby was born and I left my wife in the hospital 45 minutes after the baby was born and went and coached the 6 a.m. class. <laughs> like, <laughs> so like, and I think I missed one class because of the birth of the baby and transporting and all that stuff. I think I had, I think we, somebody substituted for like a noon class. And besides that, I coached the, the whole, whole time. So owning your business is not for the faint of heart, especially early on. You like, you can get your ass kicked. 
and you have to give up a lot of things. Um, that said, 2016, I really started to kind of dial it in a little bit and it's gotten better and better. And like ever since then, you, you just kind of have to backfill. We've made some bad hires. I put some the wrong people in the general manager position in, in the past and it's kind of caused turbulence. And then you've got to come back in and you've got to clean stuff up. Um, you just... It's just been, it, I, I wanted professional coaches for one thing, because I saw everybody else struggling with the issues that come along with like part-timers and things like that. Mm -hmm. If you can't get reliable resources to work for you and have dedicated resources, you're, you're always going to struggle. Mm. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that, man. My, my core belief has been part-time people make full-time headaches every single time. So anyone I brought on was like what the intention of full time, but it was my obligation to get them full time, but they had to fulfill their side of here's the other part of the relationship. So it's funny. You yep. See. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And so now I'm fortunate enough to like have ascended to the point where, like I said, I'm doing consulting. I run a mastermind group for two brain that we created about two years ago. And it it's the upper echelon of that community. It's the, top five, 10% of gym owners in there. So I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be surrounded by those guys leading that group that are kind of at the cutting edge of what's going on. These are, these are high revenue gyms that are doing the right things and, and making moves in the, in the fitness space. So it keeps me very acutely aware of like who's doing what, what's going on in the, in the high, high end boutique fitness space. So that's, that has been kind of a cheat sheet for me. Right. So, Amen so, to that. So if I recapped it, what I pulled was get mentors, speed and information, um, build it with the end in mind, which is highlighting your, your team members, yep. um, and then get really tight on the hiring process and who you're looking for to put the right, the right person on the right seat on the bus. Yep. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You got anything to add, Mark? Well, here's what I want to ask is, so knowing that you work with high level, of, you know, fitness people, what advice would you have to people getting in the industry right now, or kind of in that middle range where they either need a breakthrough or they're going to be broken? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Getting into the business, I think Jonathan kind of touched on that. You, you have to design your business with the end in mind. And, and that doesn't mean that you need to know exactly the destination that you're going to, but you do have to kind of structure your business to serve your life that you want to have. Because I mean, let's be honest, in the first couple of years, you're not going to have the life you want to have. And that, that's, that's just <laughs> what it is. I, I mean, none of us want that life for a long time, but um, that's just the, that's, that's the price you have to pay. And then the people holding on to things that are that are moderately successful, I, I would tell them that they don't understand the breakthroughs that they're going to make when they start letting go and beginning to delegate, beginning to bring on people that can serve your clients at a higher level. Because we all str yeah, struggle at some point in our career thinking that everybody needs service by me. Like I am the subject matter expert in X, Y, and Z. But like what I tell 
my people is like, your job is to grow them to, and this is your staff, grow them until they can do things 60% as well as you, and then put them in that role as soon as they hit 60%. And then your job is to grow into the fucking leader that can train them to do things 80% as well as you used to. Because then you've got an entire team behind you doing things at 80% of your capacity. Because what you also don't understand is that you're really not serving anybody at a high level when you're strung across no. 50 different hats that you're wearing. You're really only operating at like 50% in everything. Like, I mean, we can operate at high levels being entrepreneurs and, and kind of juggle things and multitask and things things like that. But once you really start peeling that shit back and giving it away, it's amazing at the trajectory that your business can take with the right people doing things 100% focused on that role. Like you talk about marketing, you talk about sales, you talk about operations and the different aspects of your business that you can't pay attention to all of those at that level. But if you find the right person who's passionate about it, your business can take off if you can fill all of those kind of verticals within your business. Hope y'all taking notes. Yeah, that, that's straight <laughs> gold right there. And that's something that that's I could tell that took years to learn. That's not something they just teach you. Like, here's your business and your LLC. Like, here's what you do. That's, that's part of paying the price and being in the damn trenches. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, all right. So as we, as we start to wrap this up, I do need to ask, cause I said, I'd mentioned it before, but so you got four kids. <laughs> so yeah. usually like to me, anything past two is like, all right, we've, we've made a conscious decision unless you're like our friend Thomas who, you know, had twins the second time, you know, like, did you always want a big family? Did your wife want a big family? Like how, how is that decision made? I'm just, I'm honestly just curious. Or are you Catholic? <laughs> I, I was raised Catholic. I think that uh, my, my, ironically, people ask us this all the time because my wife is an only child. So we don't come from big families. I have a sister, but she's eight years older than me. So she was like so much older than me. She was kind of out of the house. I was kind of raised as an only child from that extent. Um, I think I'm just really passionate about becoming, being a father. Like that was always like very purposeful for me because like my dad left very early on seven when around when I was like seven years old and um, I've, I've never spoke to him again. And so like, I think that that was truly impactful on my life. And so when given the opportunity to be a father, I think I always said that, like, I also think that it's, it's one of your greatest impacts you can have on the world. Um, not to get too like, I don't know, emotional or whatever. Right. But like, I really do. And, and I think you're shaping human beings. And so like, I kind of wanted to be everything that I, I didn't have growing up, I guess. And so it, it, the only thing really stopping us was like our time and capacity that we had. And then also like, I wasn't going to bring people in if like we financially couldn't afford it or things like that. When I say bring people in, I'm like, like I hired all these little kids like, Oh, we'll, we'll bring another one on. <laughs> no. So no, our kids are eight, six, four, and two. So. Oh, very nice. Evenly spaced. I like that. Yeah, We, well, we knew that once we were like in the trenches, once, we, once you're in it, we were like not going to waste any time because we weren't going to spread our kids out like a long distance and, 
be 15 years into having children and still have like a newborn. So I, I love how you systemize the child rearing process. You're like, onboarding <laughs> the process is between zero and two. Okay, you're at 60% capacity. Was pretty- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly right, man. Fantastic. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, you know, and, and I, I have two sons, so I feel you on the dad thing. Like, you know, I can, I can do all the things in the business world and change lives and all that, but damn, I love being a dad. And yeah. uh, there, there's just a joy that comes with being a parent that you just can't describe it to anybody until they experience it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So a couple more questions for you here. Um, what is the most influential book that you have ever read? Man, ever. I'm a book guy. So I've read so many. I I would say um, Jordan Peterson's original 12 Rules for Life. Hmm. That's a good one. That's one of my go-tos for sure. uh, I'm actually in the process of reading that right now. And it, it's yeah. one that like, it just makes you stop and go, huh? And like question your existence. And then you read a couple more pages and you do the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. 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 It's like jaw dropping moments every couple pages. And you're like, wait a minute, I need to stop what I'm doing and digest that for a half hour. Like yeah. it's a powerful book. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely say that. Highly recommend that one. If you, if you guys haven't read that one, pick that up. Um, what's your favorite exercise? Rucking. Yeah. Good for you. Let's see. That's why you were in the army. You're like, yeah, you heavy shit. I'll carry it around. <laughs> yeah, I, I see all your posts on social, man. You do it all the time. You're like, yep, just 40 pounds. You know, rucking. <laughs> yeah. If you had a billboard that you could put a message on for everyone to see, what would that message be? Ooh. Man, I, that's a tough one. I don't know. Um, you are the only one responsible for the results you're getting. Yeah. Mm. That's good. I don't know. Dude, work. <laughs> Shorten it up. There you go. Yeah. My copywriter. What are you here? I'm like, this is basically you say, do damn work. <laughs> Nobody's going to do it for you. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it's a, I'm personal responsibility, but like also, like you're, you have limitless potential. Like you can be whoever you want to be, regardless of, what yesterday was like just start today i love it i love it well jeff this has been such a pleasure we really really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and wisdom um you guys if you're listening to this you know a lot of great tactical advice and you know from somebody who's been doing this a while and that's you know i I love talking to guys like you because you know you you have the experience that so few have. I mean, if you look around in the world, there's not that many people that have been doing anything for a really long time. And there's just lessons that, that you learn from experience that 
it's the only way you're going to learn them. Um, so, you know, we really, really do appreciate you coming on here. So tell the people where they can follow you, where they can find out more about your gym, um, all that good stuff. Probably the best place is just follow me on Instagram and it's just Jeff underscore Smith underscore HTX, like Houston, Texas. Um, and that's, that's the easiest place to find me. Otherwise I'm on Facebook and then Canon fitness and performance is our gym. It's on Facebook as well. Um, yeah, but Instagram kind of feeds every, every other area of my social. And, uh, we didn't even get into real estate or anything good, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, like that just goes to tell you that like, I mean, business ultimately is just a, a battle of attrition. And so like, it's, it's all about staying alive. Like, cause, cause if you come out on the other end, it doesn't matter what business you're doing. If you do it for 30 years, like you're going to end up well off and, and reap the benefits for what you're doing. Cause as long as you learn lessons, cause I mean, hopefully Jesus, you wouldn't be doing the same thing 30 years from now. Right. <laughs> I know some, uh, I remember some lunch ladies that I'm pretty sure they were doing that for 30 years, but they were real good at serving that chicken fried steak and mashed potatoes. Lunch lady, lady. But I mean, your point has been, it's been also highlighted by this whole COVID fiasco of like, I mean, we've lost a ton of gyms in Houston yeah. throughout it. So, I mean, it, it's all about staying alive and learning lessons. Mm-hmm. Like just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, man, COVID was Darwin Darwinianism. Is that Darwinism? I don't know. I always say it wrong. My wife always points out how I'm not as smart as her, but you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> survived, and that was COVID throughout this, man. So it's only bringing out the best to the top of their game, and you know it's leveled the playing field. So yeah, game on. Let's get it. I love it. So again, Jeff, thank you so much, guys. If you're listening, follow uh, Jeff on the so. Don't just look up Jeff Smith. I bet there's a few. Yeah. So yeah. Make, make sure make sure you you get the whole handle. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, and again, go like, go subscribe, go leave us a review, and uh, let us know what you think. And John, what you got, buddy? Be like Jeff Smith and go get what you worth. Yeah. Damn. Damn good show. Damn. Damn. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you found value and entertainment in our content. Listen, we love helping fit pros get paid with their worth, and we have something we would love for you to take advantage of. Absolutely. So go to fitprocollective.com forward slash bootcamp to download our free business bootcamp on taking your training business online. This is no BS sales pitch. This is actual strategies that you can implement right now to move your business forward. Finally, again, if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and review. Let us know what you think. Thanks again for listening to Real Talk with Real Fit Pros, where we help fit pros what? Get what they're worth. Yeah.